thank you for listening to this message brought to you by Living Word Church. We trust that as you hear the Word of God preached, you'll be encouraged and equipped to love God and do His will. If you're looking for a church home, please feel free to visit our Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc. And now for our message. You know, as we do this series with all your heart, Jay, you did a great job just helping prime and prep us in that this morning. Thank you. I believe there's a preacher down deep in that man somewhere. But I want to make an Easter challenge to you. It's not Easter yet, but I'm, I'm, I want to make an Easter challenge to you. And it's very simple. My challenge to you is this, that you would find, that you'd identify something in your life that doesn't measure up with what God's Word has for you. Something in your world, in your life, whether it's an internal operation or something that you do, that clearly is not God's best for you. It is, it is sin. It is less than the Scripture requires. I'm not asking for even a total, complete overhaul, though you're welcome to do that. But my Easter challenge is to you this. Find something. If you can't find it, ask the Lord. If you're afraid to ask the Lord, ask the person next to you. Turn to them now and say, where is my sin? <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. It was a joke. Jay was wrong. I am a comedian. Way down deep, there's a funny man in there that wants to say jokes. It's the worst idea ever. Turn to someone and say, where is my sin? Because they'll tell you, and then you got to deal with that. I think there's just so many things and simple things. 1 Corinthians 6 says, do you, know that, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? It may be a simple lifestyle change. Say, Lord, I've not treated this temple as a place where you dwell. I'm going to take better care of myself. Maybe it's a little bit more gut-wrenching. Maybe it's a little more intense. Like Job in thir- Job 31 says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. Boy, that's the one thing, Right? You bring that before the Lord and say, God, I'm bringing this to you today. I want this to line up with your word. Andy preached a great message last week about hypocrites. Matthew 23, it says, you hypocrites, you give a tenth, but you neglect justice. You neglect mercy. And he talked a lot about forgiving people. What's the one thing? My Easter challenge is ask the Lord or ask, ask your friend. Or maybe just, it's obvious, you don't need to ask nobody. You just need to say, Lord, this is my thing. I want you to come and bring conviction to my heart today. And not just conviction, but legit change. How many, how many people are ready for some legit change in their life? Yeah, just say it to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm ready. I want some legit change. I don't want just some, you know, shallow, fake, veneer. I want some deep down, core level change in my life that honors you. Lord, show me something. You never know. If you, if you just do that one thing and then you have a good time with that and you feel free and you feel joy, you might even find a second and a third and you might, by the time it's all done, find yourself sanctified. Wouldn't that be something? You could quit faking it and actually be the real thing. Turn in your Bibles, please, to um, Luke chapter 12. 
I'm going to speak today. It's the next sermon in the series with all your heart. It's called Wealth and the Selfish Heart. So if you didn't think of anything in my little preamble there, certainly as I start to talk about money, the Lord may give you a conviction and a spot to change. Wealth and the Selfish Heart. I'm going to read a fairly long, it's, it's almost one full page in my little Bible. Um, so just relax, take it in. Let the Word of God wash over you, open your heart, actively be saying, Lord, let me hear you, let me hear you in the midst of it, and then I'll make a few comments, and we'll go back into worship. So in Luke chapter 12, Jesus is preaching, Luke captures his words, and in verse 13, he records this, someone in the crowd said to him, to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me judge or arbitrator between you and your brother? Then he said to them, to the whole group, to everyone listening, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain man, a rich man, yielded an abundant harvest. So he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store all of my crops. So then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I'll build bigger barns, bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus of grain. And I'll say to myself, I'll say in my soul, I have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and say it with me, be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you, and who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap, they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very small thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies or the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world, those who don't trust God, runs after all such things. And your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, 
and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Read this one together with me. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I just want to, I want to say a few things because it's just, it's just so wonderful. So it's quite a scene where this man comes up to Jesus on the street while Jesus is preaching and teaching, and he, he begins to engage Jesus about his inheritance, right? So this guy evidently is in a family dispute about inheritance. So, I mean, presumably recently his father has passed away or he's lost, right, the family. And so, as often sadly happens when you lose a parent, everyone starts scrounging around for the possessions they leave behind, right? It's a sad reality, but it's true. It's amazing what kind of greed and what kind of selfishness stirs up in you when that happens, when you're in those moments. And maybe, maybe the grief, maybe the, you're so off balance because someone you love died, or maybe, maybe it's just always there and waiting for a moment to come out. But it reveals a greed and it reveals a desire for more. Some people live their lives waiting for their parents to die so they can have their stuff, right? And when you pause and you think about, some of you are laughing because you're like, I'm going to spend it all. It's all going to be gone. Don't live your life thinking that. But it reveals something inside the human heart, a deep selfishness. And this is revealed in the road, as this man says to Jesus, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. And Jesus' response is wonderful. He's like, man, who, who made me the referee between you and your brother? And he refuses, he refuses to insert himself into that discussion. But he does come out then and say, but listen, I want to tell you something. I'm not going to resolve your dispute, but I'm going to expose your heart. And he gives them this strong warning, right? He says, he says be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And suddenly, I mean, if you're that guy, you're demanding justice, and then get, tell my brother, I deserve half the money. And then suddenly Jesus cracks open his heart and reveals that in his heart is this motivation of greed and desiring to have more. And so then Jesus goes into this wonderful teaching this warning. And he shows us that money will test your heart. Money will test your heart. Whether you have a lot of money or whether you have a little bit of money, it will test your heart. And in some ways, I, I want you to see the first half of this, when Jesus talks about the, the, the rich fool, he's, he's saying, look, the worries of the wealth is that money is not enough. Money will never satisfy. In the second half, when he starts talking to the poor, the worries of the poor 
is that your life is more than what you think you need. So to the wealthy, he says this, that money is deceitful. Money is a liar. Money will want to tell you that without it, your life will be somehow incomplete. That you'll somehow miss out. That money has this deceptive, very corrosive property in it that says to you that if you lose me, if you lose money, you lose a large part of life. It's like this little boy who, little boy who, who had a little friend coming over for a play date, and as soon as the friend play date came over, he took up all his valuable toys and he piled them up in his hands, and he just carried around the whole time because he didn't want his friend to have his stuff. The money tells you that unless you you pile and you hold on to all of your possessions and you have more and more and more and you protect it and you secure it, that somehow you'll miss out on life. Money's deceitful. Money is corruptive. The story tells about a farmer who has a good, good year. You know, God doesn't call the farmer a fool because he produced a large harvest. God called the farmer a fool because he thought that harvest would make his life easy and he could sit back and eat, drink, and be merry. That somehow the possession of the money would provide him life that's real life. The man devastated by what he did with his wealth, where he thought life was found. And I think that's true of all of us. That where we, what we do with our wealth, whether it be great or small, is a very real test of where you think life is found. Randy Elkhorn said it like this. He said, God does not increase your wealth so that he can increase your barns. He increases your wealth so that you can increase your giving. This man's heart's desire was to eat, drink, and be merry. And when I think about it, and I think about me and the people I know and the way we live, we're trying to accumulate as much money to, to, to develop as much security as we can, as much ease and much prosperity as we can. And in the midst of that, Jesus' little story here shines a spotlight on our motivations. And without being even knowing it about it, not even being really clear about it, we can be piling up our own possessions, piling up our own security in money and not in God. The farmer wasn't condemned by God because he was successful. Being a good businessman, being a good farmer, building great profits. God has no problem with that. In, in fact, God is the source of that. I love how Jesus tells the story. It was the ground that produced the great harvest, right? The man just picked it up off the ground and turned it into money. God gives the increase. 
God blesses the business. God provides for the family. It all comes from him. But what he provides is a test. And it will test your heart. Whether your desire is to eat, drink, and be merry, and be comfortable, or whether your desire is to be rich towards God. And when you think about the money that comes into your possession, you ask yourself, do I view this as life and security? Or is God my life and security? And this money simply a way to demonstrate my trust and love for him. I love how Randy Alcorn also says it. He says, he says, all the money is God's, but you are his money manager. So life is not found in your abundance. I love how First Timothy, Paul says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be arrogant. Isn't that true? I don't, if, if you have a lot of money, there is this subtle arrogance that comes. Like, I've got a lot. I'm good. And you see someone who's got less, and you're like, oh, I didn't know I was better than you. But evidently I am. Or, or maybe if you don't have enough money, if you, if you feel like you're poor and you're struggling, some, that, that can affect your sense of self-worth, can't it? We feel like, man, I'm always struggling. I must not be as good as the next guy. Or how come I can't do this? Or how come I can't have that? And this issue of value, that those who are rich have this false sense of value, that somehow because they have more money, they're better than somebody else. And if you're poor, you could have this false sense of unvalue. What's the word? What's the prefix? You could feel undervalued because you don't have as much as the next guy. And so somehow you must think, God must not love me as much, or I must not be as good or as smart or as talented. But God doesn't demonstrate his love for you by the amount of money he provides. God demonstrates his love for you, and that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Right? The money that comes through our hands, the money that passes through our bank accounts is simply a stewardship to test us and to help us demonstrate, are we going to be rich towards God, or am I going to be rich towards self? I had a friend back in high school who, um, you know, we were talking smaller amounts of money back then. Um, our budgets were smaller. But uh, he came up to me one time and he handed me a CD of kind of a new Christian band that came out. And I'm like, Dude, thanks. What's this for? He's like, no, it's for you. It's a gift. Enjoy. I'm like, okay, but what gives? Why you don't know you don't normally hand me CDs? He's like, you know what? I have a fresh conviction that anything I buy for myself as a is a pleasure, I want to buy the same thing for somebody else. And I thought to him, wow, that's really cool. Because that was his way of being able to say, I want to enjoy these good things that God has given me, and I've made my money, but I also want to make sure that the way I use my money, I'm rich towards God. And you can be rich towards God by being rich towards others. That's the principle. So, to those who are concerned about your wealth, like the man who was concerned about getting his inheritance, Jesus tells you that life is not found in your possessions. But to 
a second group of people, the people who don't have enough, to those who are worried about their poverty, Jesus says something else. He says that life is more than your needs. And so you've got people worrying about what they're going to eat or what they're going to wear. You've got people concerned about tomorrow, concerned about meeting basic needs. And Jesus says, for life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. And you need to hear this today, because if you're wealthy and you're worried about your wealth, you need to repent if you're not rich towards God. But if you're not wealthy, and you, you find yourself in a financial poverty, but you think your life is about meeting those needs, you also need to repent. Because God says, I know those needs and I'll meet those needs. But you need to know that life is more than your worries and your pressures. And the devil will steal from you and money will steal from you in its absence just as money will steal from you in its abundance. Life is more. It's more than that. Some of you have traveled. You've been on mission trips. You know, there was, a, there was a point where we used to preach all the time that we want every single person at Living Word Church to have gone on a missions trip. Maybe, maybe we need to start preaching that again. How many of you have never been overseas serving Christ, serving other people? Come on. Put them up, put them up, put them up, put them up. We are ripe for some serious mission trips, right? The great thing about a mission trip is you'll get to visit and be with the poor who are just delighting in Christ, and it'll help make you poor because you've got to spend your own money to go. You've got to spend $1,500 to go hang out and be happy with poor people who love Jesus. It's perfect. I'm funny. At least I amuse myself sometimes. <laughs> and that's what's important. But if you've ever been, or you've ever spent any time with people who are just passionate and joyful about the Lord but have so little, it's so convicting. Because you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm searching for life, and, and my, the lacks in my life are causing me such stress and stealing my joy and being such a pressure to me. And yet I can see people all over the world who have so little, and yet they're finding their joy and their delight in the Lord, and their life is full. The Scripture says that Jesus, became, who was rich, became poor, so that in Christ we might become wealthy in Him. That there's, there's something about taking our mind off of just our needs or our perceived needs and saying, you know what, Lord, you are enough. My joy is complete in you. It's full in you. That for that which I lack, that I need, you'll provide. I'm going to trust you, actively trust you in that. And that which I have, I mean, it's amazing to me that Jesus says to people who are looking to God for food, looking to God for clothing, he says to them, he says, look, take your possessions, sell them and give to the poor. Who's poorer than someone who doesn't have enough to eat or something to wear? But he says to them, he says, even what you have, give it away and get yourself a purse that will not be on this earth, but you will be investing in heaven. 
to quote Andy, Randy Elkhorn a third time today. I should have brought him in just to preach for me. You cannot take anything with you, but you can send it on ahead. That which God puts in your possession, if you are rich towards God with it, which means you, you give towards the thing that God loves, you will be investing eternal treasure. We think this life is everything. We think we have to have enough and more and more and more right now during this brief time that we are here on this earth. But in fact, if we are, if we are rich towards God in this very short time we have on earth, in all of eternity, there will be blessing and inheritance that will never spoil or fade or be stolen. And so the question today is, where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Is your treasure your money? Is your treasure your treasure? Or is your treasure your treasure? Money desires to be a master. And nowhere more than in America do we see money mastering people. Rampant materialism. We think we need it all. I mean, seriously. The food, the money we spend on food. We all go out to eat all the time. The money we spend on it or on clothes, on our homes or our vehicles, we compare with one another. Our, the vacations we have and the, all the things of this earth that we spend our time on. Don't even get me started with electronics. Phones and ear pods and tablets and ah, uh, there's so much our money goes towards. And no, quite frankly, I love all of it. <laughs> I love it all. And you know what? God loves that I love it, but I don't love any of it more than Him. And if any of it causes me not to be rich towards God, then I am the fool. In the story, the damned fool. Because that night his life was taken from him. And he died valuing ease, eating, drinking, and being merry instead of being rich towards God. Let me read you this last quote and then we're going to take an offering. <laughs> I wrote that down in my plan. I said, if I do, is that going to seem sketchy? I don't mean for it to be sketchy. But I want our giving to be filled with faith and us to say, I want to be rich towards God. Lord, in my abundance, I know that my life is not found in my possessions. Lord, in my poverty, I know that I lack for nothing in my poverty. Let me read you this quote. This is from C.S. Lewis. It says, I do not believe that one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts and luxuries and amusements is up to the standard common among those in our same income level, we are probably giving too little. 
If our giving does not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say it is too small. There ought to be things that we should like to do but cannot because of our commitment in giving excludes us from them. I love it. It means this, that in your giving, it should hurt. You should get your giving statement at the end of the year and say, oh, man, what I could have done with that. But praise God, I didn't do any of it. I gave it all to the Lord. It means you drive your car down the road and all your neighbors have nicer cars than you and say, praise the Lord, I'm driving this old jalopy because you know what? My money's in the right place. You know what? We would have loved to have gone to Disneyland or to Paris for vacation, but you know what? We went camping down in southern Indiana, but <laughs> praise the Lord for those covered bridges because our money is in the right place. God, deliver me from the love of money and help me to be rich towards God. Amen? Ushers, come on up. We're going to take the offering. Are you sufficiently challenged this morning? Amen. Good. Worship team, come on up. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, which, Lord, seeks to set us right. Lord, we know that you're not a miser, that you're wealthy, and you have no need for our money. But, Lord, I thank you for the warning that Jesus gave for us to be on our guard. Because the danger, the temptation, Lord, the very real possibility is that we think that life consists in our many things, in our possessions or our money. Thank you that you warned us for that, Lord, and that you're teaching us to be rich towards you. Thank you, too, that, Lord, in our poverty, Lord, you teach us that, that life is more than our needs, that we are complete, we are full, we are rich in Christ, even when our bank accounts and our pockets are empty. Now I pray, Lord, that you would cause us to be rich in giving, and that, Lord, you would be generous to those in need. And that we as a community, Lord, might be the people of God that use money as a rich form of worship. And that we would see you abundantly multiplying what we have so that we can abundantly multiply what we give. We pray this in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Then stand and let's worship the Lord.